Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey y'all, it's Justin Richmond. Today on the show, we have 27-year-old British singer-songwriter Nilifer Yanya. Nilifer Yanya is a West London native who comes from a background as diverse as her city. All of that finds its way into her music, overlaid with her rich voice. After several years of hitting London's small stages and open mics with her guitar, Nilifer broke through in 2016 with a series of soulful indie pop EPs and singles that started leading to some critical acclaim. I spoke with Nilifer in April just after her performance at the first weekend of Coachella about the release of her second album, Painless. The album's tracks, laden with electronic drums and raucous guitar, play like a diary entry, wrenched with heartbreak, loss, and hope. Painless follows Nilifer's debut album, Miss Universe, which also hinted at her fascination with 90s alt-rock melodies. On today's episode, Nilifer shares the collaborative songwriting process she has that created her new album, with her producer Will Archer and friend, saxophonist, and multi-instrumentalist Jazzy Bobby. She also talks about writing her first songs at 10 years old, and about how she always dreamed of being a guitarist in a band, not a solo act. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Before we get to my conversation with Nila Friyanya, here's a live performance of her song, The Dealer, with frequent collaborator, Jazzy Bobby.
had the chance to see you live yet unfortunately i want to correct that soon so that was my first time sort of seeing you you know do something live and the incredible thing i was realizing as i was listening is as great as the songs are you know in the way that they're uniquely produced like on the records like even these you know kind of bare versions are just as good like just in a different way i would miss the recorded version but those are so good thank you i'm glad you think so you never know if you've gone like too far away from the original version yeah it's always fun to like yeah take things out it made me wonder how you like write the songs because they stand alone so well away from the production but then like on the recordings there's so much production going on Mm -hmm. like are you writing them with all of that stuff in mind all the stuff that ends up on the record or do they sort of evolve into what 
people here on the releases? I mean, it depends. Like, broadly speaking, when I'm writing, there's not much production involved at the early stages. Like, I'll just be playing something on guitar or working something out and then taking it to the studio and then working on it from there once I kind of have the song. But for this record, a lot of it was made, like, in the studio. So um, I was working with my friend, Will Archer, and he had a lot of the... Not like all the produced kind of effects in there, but a, a lot of it was kind of feeding the process as we went along. Did you write a lot of it in studio? Yeah, so he he had a lot of the guitar parts, this record, with like drums already in there or like effects already in there. Then I'd write over it, I guess. Was that pretty different from Miss Universe, which was your first record? Miss Universe was, it was another kind of experiment, I guess, because a lot of the songs were like old songs I'd been working on for a while. And then some of them I was, like, writing in the studio. At what point do you bring in, like, say, Jazzy? Like, you've written a song. Yeah. You figure you want it on a record. At what point do you bring someone like her in to, like, work out parts? And You mean, like, for, like, live shows? or for I guess for the records, for the songs. Well, me and Jazzy wrote a couple of songs together on this record, on the new record. Like, one of them was totally from scratch, and one of them was more like, help me, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, I guess it depends. But when it comes to like doing stuff live, like I'll take it to my band, Jazzy's my band, and kind of rearrange the songs or like arrange the parts for like the live shows. On the newest record, you're saying a lot of it was written in studio. So how did that work with Jazz, your band? When I was working with Jazzy on our song together, we just started from the beginning together and we were writing it together. And then she recorded it and produced it as well. Which song is that? Belong With You. Otherwise, Jazzy's not playing on the rest of the record. So me and Will, on most of the songs, we wrote those together, recorded those. I had Ellis plays drums in my band, come in and redo some of the drum parts. Like, we'd already had the demo drums. Some of them were good enough to, like, keep. And some of them we were like, let's do live. Let's do live versions of these. And some of them is like a blend. Which ones did you end up keeping the demo drums? Like, Chase Me. Maybe demo drums is the right word, but like produced kind right. of drums. No, yeah. no, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, the first version of it. Yeah. yeah. Chase Me. I'm trying to think now. Stabilize has a blend. Cool. Has like the drum machine and live drums. It's a really cool drum part. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's kind of, he's always like, why did I make this so hard? <laughs> <laughs> when we're doing it live. Maybe the rest of them are like blends or we have live drums on that instead. Yeah. Speaking of like the kind of production on this record, there's a part in the song Shameless, like maybe three quarters of the way through. It sounds like <laughs> maybe it was a demo version of the song or mm. just another, it's like you got, it, it goes, it goes into, into like, like a, world. another world. Yeah. yeah. It's like piano and oboe or yeah, some sort yeah. of, yeah. And clarinet. Clarinet. Yeah. There we go. Exactly. That was Will. Like I can't really speak for him. So it felt like a very Will section as well. Will part. Um, and that song, I was actually on the fence for a while like even including it yeah kind of well just how i felt about it like something about was almost too honest and like too upfront and it's like i felt okay writing it but then when i was listening like singing it i was like i just don't know (laughs) but i love it now what was it about it that didn't feel right when you're singing it i think um the lyrics for me and like the melody and everything kind of fell in the right place too organic Got you. Too, like, too simple. It, it just fit too well. Yeah. I feel like most people would say, like, if the lyrics and the vocal melody, like, fit really well into the song, like, that's, that's, like, a good match. 
I guess so, yeah. I guess maybe it was like, you know, when something falls into place and then you kind of doubt yourself, you're like, well, should that have been so, like, easy? Got you, like, yeah. Maybe, maybe not easy is the right Should have been a bit more of a struggle yeah. to figure it out. But I guess it was meant to be, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not only, like, is the rhythm in your music cool, but also there's, like, a dynamic. So many of the songs sound equally kind of loud and raucous and, like, quiet and beautiful at the same time. Like, you're looking to fit opposites together, I guess, you know? Yeah, always, I think. And it kind of takes me back to how I like used to write when I was just like always working by myself. A lot of the times it kind of be a challenge because you come up with one part for a song and then I'm like, for the chorus, I don't want to do the same. So I need to come off other parts. So you kind of need to take yourself into another like headspace and like come off a whole other section and then go back to the original things and just see if they, they fit and see if it works together. But for me, that's how I kept things interesting for myself. So I think maybe finding ways to like keep that I don't know I guess that's always stayed with me trying not to do something that feels too obvious but I think I'm learning that's totally um like what's obvious to me is different to you kind of thing so sometimes I felt like there's too many different things going on in one song so it's like how to pull it back and how to simplify it yeah because even on I guess like Midnight Sun you know like the ending you have like this you know crazy distortion going this amazing sax beautiful sweet sounding sax it makes me smile every time i hear it from jazzy and such a cool interesting contrast it makes the music such an interesting listen it just never know what's happening next keeps you on your toes <laughs> definitely keeps me on my toes yeah i don't know for me that's the point of kind of writing a song it's like i just get bored otherwise like if it always stays the same i'll just get or it has to be a really good reason why it's gonna stay like that or just not trip you up or not surprise you Maybe I'll get into that phase a bit later. <laughs> it sounds like you, you've kind of had that inclination from the beginning, even listening to like the EPs and stuff. It sounds like that's kind of there. I feel like the aesthetic maybe has changed a little bit, but it sounds like that basic mm. element of your music, the, the, the su- element of surprise has, has sort of always been there. Yeah, and it kind of creates like for me like a, a tension and like a place to go to, like a direction. Are there other artists that you can think of that do that in a way that's interesting to you? I mean, I say this one a lot, but like PJ Harvey... Um, yeah, actually wow. do a cover of Rid of Me at the moment with Jazzy um, it sounds really good I think <laughs> that's a beautiful song thanks I mean I didn't write it so yeah. I can't say thanks I've not heard your performance I bet that's great too I bet it's like, also beautiful but I that, agree yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah no it's just I find the way PJ Harvey writes is like kind of does a lot of that like tension pulling and release and like stripping things back and then kind of letting things go and like for that with that song as well it's like the the guitar kind of has this really strong rhythm and then the voice just does this like kind of crazy thing i was surprised that you know like a while back i found your cover of the pixies song hey yes i was gonna say pixies another band as you were explaining the way pj harvey does uh you know her songs are sort of constructed i was like wow it's kind of similar with even that song like i didn't i was surprised you covered it as you're explaining it, it makes a lot of sense like there's a super strong melody it's always going different places that song you know that was one of the first songs i heard and I was like 16 and I was like, wow, like this makes sense. Like it makes sense. I, I kind of see what they're doing and I, I want to do do the same thing. Do you remember where you heard it first? On YouTube. On you- <laughs> nice. just, just- I was at home, I was on YouTube and I was like, actually a guitar teacher told me to listen to it. Yeah. He was like, I think you're going to like this band. <laughs> um, I was like, okay, cool. So good. I remember I saw them, uh, you just got done playing Coachella. And I remember mm. the first time I went to Coachella was like 2004. Wow. I was like 14. <gasps> 
they were playing? <laughs> I bailed out telling my mom and, and, and I went out there with some friends. And yeah, that was like their reunion show. Mm. And I remember that I just like fucking was the craziest. Like just, they're, they're insane. They're, they're amazing. Insane. Yeah. You know? That's what I like as well. And the lyrics as well. It's totally insane. I have no idea to this day. I almost, I, and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to focus too much on what they yeah, are. Yeah, some I don't of the lyrics wanna. are scary and like, but some of them make sense. Like they make sense in weird abstract ways. There's a devil between us, whores yeah. in my head, whores in the door. That makes a, a lot of hey. sense, yeah. I'm glad it makes sense. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but it doesn't, it, it doesn't make immediate sense, but it kind of, each, each line kind of means its own thing. Yeah, and, it, and the feeling it evokes, like the, yeah. what it evokes, like the, it makes emotional sense to me at least. Like yeah, emotional sense. Logical sense, it makes like, no. oh, and it might, it might, there might be like a really great meaning, but it makes like, logically, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, emotionally, I'm like, yeah, it's a great, such a good band. Did you find a lot of bands through like YouTube and stuff? I think so, yeah, definitely. It was a very good, it worked very well for me. I still spend too much time yeah. on there going on YouTube holes and like old, old music that is on there and you're just like, what yeah. the, like, what is this, you know? It's really interesting. Visually as well, it's like you got all this different kind of information, like, and then you get the comments. It's just like whole, it's like a whole world. <laughs> the comments are though. The comments make me, yeah. you know, not really <laughs> believe in humanity too much, though. Yeah, I mean, I learned the hard way not to look at <laughs> video comments. Before we pause for a quick break, let's hear Nilifer play her song "Midnight Sun" from her new album, Painless.
Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at applecard.com. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hello, hello, Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know that fans had this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. 
It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new, data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit, and I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis Platform earned first place in the customer experience category at the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match. We can feed them data. We can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye, or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people and companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event and a great way to be recognized for your brave, outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders. And an even better way to say, I told you so. You can enter by July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. We're back with my conversation with Nila Yanya. When did you first start writing songs? Hmm, probably I was quite young. I had like lots of notebooks. I would just like write lyrics in. Like as poetry or as? No, like as a song. But okay. I didn't have, like I was just, I either hadn't started learning guitar yet or I didn't. I just imagined the parts and just heard them in my head kind of thing. How old would you have been? Ten. Like before I went to high school. Oh, yeah, I wasn't playing guitar then, so I was just kind of writing songs, but they weren't real songs. <laughs> what inspired you at 10 to be writing songs? That's ambitious. I just thought, like, bands were really cool. The idea of like, <laughs> a rock band was really cool, and I really wanted to play guitar and be in the band. I didn't want to sing them. Just so wanted to be a guitar player? Yeah, playing guitar in the band, and then I thought, you know, if you have a band, you have to write the songs. So, yeah, I was always interested in the songwriting. Is there a band or a group of bands early on that would have... Yeah, like Blink-182. Like Blink-182? Okay. Yeah, when I was younger, like, yeah, they're one of my favorites. What you do is so <laughs> far away from that. Yeah, I, came, I think I've, you know, changed <laughs> since then, which is good. Yeah, abs- no, absolutely. <laughs> but this is when I was like, you know, nine. Yeah, yeah. That's ten. a good age to be into Blink. That's, that's the <laughs> appropriate age. I mean, you know, some very catchy songs, you know? Yeah, and they, they had loads of good guitar parts and melodies. Just loved the sound of the guitar. That's funny because I feel like pop punk's an adjective that comes up a mm. lot. It's come up a lot like when I'm reading stuff about okay. you. It's never occurred to me like when I listen. I mean, I was very young, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. So if you start writing songs at 10, but really without like a melody, just sort of writing words, but imagining their songs, when do you get a guitar? I started playing guitar maybe like 11, 12, just kind of like messing around on it first at home. It was like some random guitar my granddad had given my sister. 
I think it had all the strings and it was not very good, but <laughs> it worked. Right. <laughs> it worked. And I thought it sounded really good. And then I started having some lessons at school. I took it from there. Was any in your family musically inclined? Yeah, I would say everyone was kind of musically inclined. My uncle, he's a producer and like musician and writer. So he was another guy who played guitar, played bass, made lots of music, um, had a studio. Where at? Where was the studio? He was working in London for a while in like Acton. And then they moved like out to the countryside. He built his own studio. Cool. Did he do anything we would know? He did a lot of like Spanish acts. Spanish pop or? Spanish pop rock, I guess. And then he was like in some like Brit funk bands when he was younger. I don't know if there's anyone you would know, but his name's um, Joseph Devorniak. He would show me stuff on guitar. He would encourage me as well. And then my parents are like visual artists. So my mum got me into piano when I was younger because she loved piano. Started doing that from like seven years old. Cool. My dad, he's Turkish, so he loves Turkish music. He was like, musically inclined because he'd always be playing the saz what's the saz kind of a folk instrument like an oud or something not too far away six strings five groups of strings but they come in groups of like three so they're all tuned to like the same peg so it sounds like a uh a double string guitar kind I guess of so. yeah it's a lot like has a lot richer sound yeah. but like kind of thinner sound as well yeah 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 that's rad did you appreciate the turkish music you were hearing growing up I don't think I did when I was younger, yeah, because I didn't really get it because he played a lot of um, like kind of classical, traditional stuff. And it was a bit like my mum was really into like getting me into like Mozart and I was like... <laughs> you can hear the melodies and you can understand that, but like I didn't really like appreciate it. I'm very grateful to have had it exposed. Very cool. When did you start performing? I started doing like open mics just by myself. I just left school, so maybe 18... Around that time. So within the last 10 years? Yeah. Okay. How was it going from like just writing songs, you know, by yourself to performing them? It was abstract. Like it was totally weird. Like I knew if I wanted to do music, I would have to kind of get used to the idea of performing. So I was really pushing myself to just get good at it, I guess, and feel comfortable with it. But it was really strange because like you write something you're playing at home, you're singing at home, or like even like recording like demos. Yeah. You're like, oh, it sounds so different to how I imagine it. <laughs> Why is that? And then you play it on stage and you're like, it sounds so different to how I imagine it. Had you been recording demos at that point? Yeah, I'd done a few demos at school with my friends for music class, I guess, as well. And then I did record a song at my uncle's studio as well. Like, yeah, that was cool. Did it ever come out or no? It was on YouTube for a long time. Uh, <laughs> it's down. It's with a video down now. <laughs> as well, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Love to hear that. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> did performing then, did it change the way you wrote after that? I think so a little bit, yeah, because in my head, I guess, I was always writing for, like, an imaginary band. So, like, the guitar parts I wrote were, like, more like little riff. And then when I was on stage, I was like, oh, my God, like, how is this? It's kind of hard to, sometimes it doesn't have all the... um components of like rhythm like too strongly in there so kind of building an accompaniment for the voice is different for like building parts of the guitar yeah so i don't know if it changed it too much i was kind of aware of it um it probably definitely all feeds into the process your guitar playing super rhythmic thank you i feel like i can hear the drum parts even if there's no drums involved you know when did you give up on the band dream like just being a guitarist 
No, I did have some bands at school, yeah. At the beginning, I was like, no, I'm not singing, not singing. And then when I got a bit older, I was like, well, they're my songs, so I have to sing them. <laughs> and you met Jazzy, who played sax for us here, at school, right? Yeah. We met on a music tour. What, what is that? What's, on, what's music tour? Our school had a really cool music department, and I think it was when I was 13, me and Jazzy became friends because we were sharing a hotel room. <laughs> what did you guys bond over? I think just the experience, I guess. And like, yeah, we were in Prague. So you're performing these songs and you're writing songs not all that long ago, eight, nine years ago. When did it happen that you got signed and were able to record your first record? So I got signed to my label, I want to say like 2017, 18. How did that come about? I was releasing EPs up until that point with another label but it wasn't like like a steal you were just part of like more of a collective yeah it was more a bit more relaxed but we were releasing in your piece and that was really fun i was like think start to think about like okay album next like how do, how do i want to do this who should i work with i was trying to find new labels or find different labels for me the the ep part was like really exciting because it's like to get from like having no kind of connections to releasing music physically like vinyls as well that felt like a big jump but like going from the EP to the album kind of made more sense because it's like I kind of already had a manager in place already had kind of connections and people helping me yeah but I think before that getting to the EP stage was like how am I going to do this (laughs) yeah right (laughs) this is really hard (laughs) interesting yeah where did you record those EPs in London yeah like at studio, but like at home or in a studio? With different um, producers that I was working with at the time. I hadn't like found like one person that I was like, this is person. Like we're going to make all the music together. <laughs> it was I was kind of like trying out different engineers, different producers, making a lot of demos. We'll be right back with more from Nila Yanya after a quick break. Before we get back to the rest of my conversation with Nila Yanya, let's hear a live performance of one of her newest songs, Chase Me. Not my style. 
corridors, your love will chase me. You, baby, spin a while. You, baby, all go hazy, hazy, hazy. It's not the way you went, it's not the way you said, it's not the way we met. It feels like so bad coming, and it feels like so bad coming. It feels like so bad coming, and it feels like cold setting sun. As if this ends, all bad drama, and it feels like cold setting sun. Nothing that I need no more. Traces, let me make it halfway to you, baby. It's nothing I want anymore. Spaces are gonna make it halfway to you, baby. It's not my style. Through corridors, your love will chase me. To you, baby, it's been a while. To you, baby, I'll go crazy, crazy. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over six million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs: on-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position: warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to two four two four two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know that fans had this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit, and I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis Platform earned first place in the customer experience category at the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea. 
and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match. We can feed them data. We can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye, or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people and companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event and a great way to be recognized for your brave, outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders. And an even better way to say, I told you so. You can enter by July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Tell me a little bit about how Coachella went. That's kind of a pretty big gig, right? It was interesting. A lot of traveling. And then the changeover is like really quick. So lots of things went wrong in that changeover. I had to cut a song. <laughs> like just things aren't working because it was like first gig of the, the tour. So lots of things are going to go wrong. But we pulled it off, I think. Yeah, and I had fun. And like the crowd was nice. It was just like, it was a quite overwhelming experience. You mean you've done other festival dates? Yeah. Did it feel different? The last thing we did was like a EU and UK tour. The change from that to like just straight up festival, everything's a mess. <laughs> yeah. It's totally kind of different. I was like, oh, <laughs> can't hear anything. Um, <laughs> it's kind of what festivals are like generally. It's kind of chaotic mess. Very chaotic. And yeah, the crowd seems to enjoy it. So can't really complain, I guess. Following you on like on Instagram and such, seems like you travel quite a bit. And I'm curious like what, like how travel either just informs you as a person and maybe also informs your music, if at all. Like, it seems like it's an important part of your life, right? Yeah, I would say, I mean, definitely with music, like being able to travel and play shows in different places, especially like during the pandemic, like I kind of realized how massive that is of a privilege to be able to do that. Not everyone gets to travel and not everyone gets to travel because of their job or their music. So it feels, it's really amazing when those two things come together. I just never want to, take that for granted I guess and then it's just a 
I just think it's a great thing to be able to do, like when you can. I have family in different places, so also feels a bit like necessity, I guess. That that old saying that people say about boiling your mind, it really does, because <laughs> it physically you take yourself out of your everyday environment, and then when you're somewhere totally different, you can't think about normal things because you're just so like caught up in the moment of, oh, how do I do this or where do I go or like how does this work? You're always having to improvise. Mm-hmm. Where's your family at? I have some family in Turkey. I haven't seen them in a while, so I'd like to do that next. My mom's from Barbados and Ireland, so I have plans to go to the Caribbean soon. Wow, Barbados. Then, yeah. Amazing. We used to go to Ireland quite a bit when I was younger. I think, uh, yeah, everyone in my family kind of likes moving as well. So <laughs> Really? Yeah, kind of not moving like physic- like moving house, but just movement. Being on the move. Yeah. 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 Most of my immediate family, they all live in London. Did you feel like steeped in all the like various cultures growing up or did it just feel did you just feel English? It's interesting, yeah. I don't really it's kind of hard to remember, I guess, exactly what you feel like. But I was aware of like these two very different things happening in my family and like two different kind of sides, I guess, to it. Because um, like my mom's side, she grew up in London, so I think she very much has that identity and my dad came from Istanbul and like very much carries that identity with him so on one side my mum's family was Catholic and my dad's Muslim those two things alone are like what this is very different and you kind of sense that growing up but I think the beauty of like growing up in London is that everyone comes from different places so you don't feel like you have to be you have to kind of be one thing right yeah, I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> you can embrace the, the clash yeah, of... Yeah. yeah, you can embrace the clash. Definitely have to try to anyway, so... <laughs> that's fascinating. I mean, that's really... That's wildly different. It was a really, yeah. like, wildly different... Just day to day, like, the way as a Muslim and as a Catholic... Yeah. You just, like, things like Christmas, I was always like, yeah. oh, uh... <laughs> um, like, it was How did just, that work? Well, my dad would always go to Turkey to see his family then because he was teaching as well. So he had, like, time off when they were holidays in the UK um, so he's always go see his family um, and then yeah it's be with my mom's family so. say fuck Christmas I'm out no <laughs> I, lo- I used to love Christmas but it's like that you get that sense like oh I'm not meant to or I'm not supposed to or this isn't really my culture but it is at the same time so as you do get older you realise like there is an individual self yeah that exists alongside those things I'm next to it but I'm not necessarily yeah. you know doesn't dictate everything in my life yeah know? and I think that's where music like always helped me stay kind of sane because it's like that's my own thing kind of just for me in a way and it's always helped me understand or even like push me to do things I wouldn't do or like kind of just grow but it doesn't have to connect with your where, like where you come from or, like your cultural identities or religion like it doesn't have to do it doesn't have to connect with those things unless you want it to writing music always felt like writing I didn't it, have okay. to do that I mean like no one asked me to do you know what I mean it's like I just <laughs> I just enjoyed it and I thought it was fun and like I knew it's what I wanted to do it didn't really make sense to like anyone else I think it was kind of like my just my, my own thing yeah like for a while I was like stuck between like art and music like, like what should I do at like uni or like what should I study it's really ambitious to be like 10 and like I loved music when I was 10 but I I was not writing you know songs or attempting to write songs when I was 10 and then like to like you know by the time you're 16 17 you're out performing and like you're like this is what I want to do and this is my thing like that's a really I don't know evolved like way to approach something that you enjoy you know like most people enjoy things like they just participate at the (laughs) fan level and you're like you know I don't know necessarily how or but I'm gonna make this I'm gonna do it 
that's what's interesting about kids, I guess. It's like, how did they come up with these ideas? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're still perplexed by it. Yeah. I guess I just felt like I had to do it. I think also in like no, when I kind of was getting, like growing up, I was quite like shy and reserved. So it's like, I still am like that. I knew like if I didn't do it, I was never going to do it kind of thing. Like if you if you just didn't jump. Yeah, if I didn't make myself do it, then I might not ever do it. I was quite like had a lot of that kind of natural like desire to like want to please people, yeah. I think. But I was also kind of aware of like maybe like what I actually wanted to do for myself. So it's like I could always do things that people tell you to do but then you can also just also do your own thing so music was like subtle way of rebelling against yeah, I that guess so. yeah. yeah people pleasing tendency and then you felt like if you didn't jump right in and like push yourself to do shows which you might feel like you're otherwise too shy to do like you maybe would lose all of it like maybe you wouldn't just write songs by yourself who knows what you would miss out on right yeah do you think you would have kept writing just kind of personally like as a a hobby or just for personal fulfillment if you hadn't pursued it Probably, professionally? yeah. And I kind of wonder, like, that would kind of also be interesting because maybe I'd be better at something else. Maybe I'd be good at doing two things. What do you think it would be? I don't know. Like, what if I was, like, writing books? Or, or maybe my songwriting would have evolved just differently. Like, I don't know why I felt the, the rush and the panic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to do it. Like, I could have just taken my time. It's impressive, <laughs> though. It's really impressive. I guess so. Do you still feel a certain amount of innate pressure on yourself or, or like like you're in a bit of a, a hurry to do things like yeah. do you feel like you got to keep moving or else are you going to stall yes yeah and I'm trying to like tell myself like it doesn't it's not real that's just what's in my head like you can stall or you can stop you can you break can relax yeah you can relax now <laughs> you can just call it <laughs> relaxing a vacation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like um I always aim to like work more slowly that's like my current aim like all the time take more time make it slow like don't rush it yeah are you making stuff now like are you always writing uh, i'm not really writing at the moment i keep having like weird dreams where i'm like writing songs so like i'm like like i've never really done that before like written something that i've heard in a dream but like i've been trying to because i keep hearing stuff well, oh you gotta you gotta take it down <laughs> yeah but it's like you know when you wake up your voice is like yeah <laughs> you're like recording into your phone like <laughs> That's how it sounded this morning. <laughs> I always I always think of um like satisfaction was written that way. I read in a book. Was Keith it? Richards was like asleep, like dead asleep, and like dreamt like of the song and then like woke up and was like, oh fuck, and like grabbed a recorder yeah. and like just like bum bum ba ba bum ba dun 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 dun. I was like, fuck, like imagine if Keith Richards didn't stumble out of bed from some in some hotel room, yeah. you know, probably, you know fucked up <laughs> and record that like god damn we wouldn't have that song it kind of comes from the same kind of place it's like instinctive kind of melody and just idea so it's like when you're asleep or awake it doesn't really make a difference yeah it, it, i mean it's all i'm sure equally good and equally bad ideas yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> come in your sleep you know and yeah. out of sleep yeah yeah it's definitely that place where you're you're, you're turned off to the conscious mind yeah it kind of makes more sense if you're dreaming yeah when people are like, it just appeared, it just fell from the sky. It's like, how? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe you got to sleep with the recorder. I mean, you have your phone. Yeah. You got to just do it. Yeah, it's true. Cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to play some stuff thank for you. us. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Yeah. Catch you next time. Thanks to Nella for Yanya for coming on Broken Record to talk about her life, career, and her latest album. 
You can hear all of our favorite Nilla Friyanya songs on a playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brokenrecordpodcast, where you can find all of our new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Broken Record. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Ben Tolliday, Eric Sandler, and Jennifer Sanchez, with engineering help from Nick Chafee. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like this show and others from Pushkin, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted ad-free listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.